0: Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones, and this is a
1: free-for-all Friday. It is. It's a free-for-all Friday, but one we've been planning to do for a while, mm-hmm. really. Uh, so we're going to talk about biblical interpretation, or how should you go about interpreting the Bible? And I think maybe we'll hit this from a uh, couple different angles Everyone should have the same way of interpreting the Bible, but uh, some people who, you know, are pastors, maybe they need to uh, have some, uh, a little more, a little more, <clears throat> like, uh, thought out reasons behind why they do things. But really all Christians should try to seek to have a good biblical uh, interpretation method that they're using when they're coming to the Bible, because they want to actually understand it, right? Hopefully. Yes, hopefully so. Yes, I don't think that's why all people read the Bible, though. I don't think people. Oh, there are many people. I don't think they. They're not going to the Bible, going. You know what? I really want to know what this means. I think a lot of them are going for inspiration, uh-huh. stuff like that. Oh yeah. So
0: either that, or they're using the Bible as a weapon mm. against somebody. Um, like uh, I found a bunch of stuff for you, Jay.
1: Do we want to hold it for when we give examples or Well, you... I I think this is I mean, we don't have to talk about this. Uh-huh. This, this guy is a
0: liberal. Uh-huh. Like clearly a liberal. Uh-huh. Like this guy doesn't actually believe the Bible.
1: But did it, get, this... did it dressing up like a woman give it away or is it No, like that's a... not that. It's not that. Not that kind? It's not that. Not, not, that, kind no, not that kind of liberal. The kind I'm that home. the kind that still has some measure of sanity?
0: Uh, I don't know. It's you probably you probably seen this guy on on Twitter. Dr. Kevin M. Young, uh, James White's retweeted him a few times mm, just to let's criticize him. him. So here's here's a tweet from him. Here's 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 what I mean by oh, using yeah, the I've, Bible. I've, I've seen this guy using the Bible as a weapon. Uh-huh. Uh, Jesus's teachings are far closer to socialism than capitalism. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, there's no. I mean, he goes he goes on his next his next uh, you know tweet is the early church understood Jesus' teaching and. Hey, Sidesacks, Chapter Two, where the, all the believers meet together in one place and they share everything that they had. They sold their possessions and they were they were distributing to any who had need. And uh, so he's he's using that as a weapon right. to attack capitalism and promote socialism. He's not actually trying to get at what what's going on here. Right. What does this actually mean? How is this different from socialism? I mean, yeah. this this. Acts chapter two is not socialism.
1: No, no. And also I could play liberal games with them and be like, Jesus never said that. <clears throat> That's just Peter. That's just Peter and the early church doing their thing. And Jesus never said anything about that. Mm? You know, the game they play right mm-hmm. with the gay stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I won't do that. I would say, Hey, you know what we could do? We could examine that passage in Acts. or or you know what we could do since you said Jesus' teachings are closer to socialism, capitalism. We could actually go examine his teachings. That would be wild, right? Wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. And then we might discover that he actually said nothing <laughs> at all, really, either direction about any uh, political form of capital or anything like that.
0: And that's the. That's where we have to define our terms.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like he's looking at Acts chapter two, and he's saying, "Look, they're all selling their possessions and they're um, sharing it, distributing it with uh, everyone who has need." And we need to define what is socialism. Socialism is the government, right?
1: Um, distributing distribu-
0: wealth, <laughs> distributing it. It's not. It's not individuals selling things and distributing. It's the government doing it. Right, and that's that's just loaded with problems, and also it doesn't take into account um, stuff that happens later in Acts, in Acts chapter five, with um, Ananias and Sapphira. Uh, they they sell some property. Uh-huh. They don't sell all their property. No one's selling all of their property. Right, right. Um, they they sell some land, and they give part of the money. To yeah, the they lie but about they it. Say they, they say they gave it all. All of it. Yeah. And Peter's responses when <clears throat> it was when before it was sold, it was yours, right? And after you sold it, the money was yours. It's yours. You could do what you want. Why did you lie?
1: Yeah. No. No one made you do. Yeah. The things you did with he, he your with, you, with your things. Right.
0: He doesn't say. Look, uh, everyone is giving all of their stuff away to to the poor. Why didn't you? Why are you a stingy capitalist? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, trying to game so, the system. So taking taking that that passage and weaponizing it to promote, uh, you know, a, a, a political right. mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I meant by people don't always want to. Jesus said, "Go so all means.
1: that you have and come follow me, and then you will be perfect." Look, right. none of you Christians obey Jesus, and they have like a liberal <laughs> meltdown. Like you know what I mean? You're all <laughs> hypocrites. I'm holier than you are. I actually follow Jesus closer than you, even though I am sleeping with my best friend, who is also a trans person and soon-to-be transhumanist, as he implants a chip into his brain. And if you judge us for that, you're definitely going to hell because you don't follow Jesus. (laughs) That's the world we live in now. How do you really feel about it, Jay? I, I'm just, you know, <laughs> I just have this this ability. Hey, don't, Jay, take don't, the filter off. It's don't okay. blame it's right. me. I have <laughs> the ability to step into other people. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I listen. That's one thing. No one's ever going to say, "Hey, Jay, did not listen to what we said." Yeah. Because I try to listen explicitly. Because I don't want to judge you based off my perceptions of you. I want to. I want to listen to your words and the things you say. Hmm. And here's what they say, Now they're not brave enough to say it, as I just said it, but they say, they think they follow Jesus better than we do, mm-hmm. because they're more loving than we are. Right. They love everyone, and that's what Jesus really wanted. He really wanted everybody to be happy and to express themselves genuinely, mm-hmm. and definitely what gets in the way of that is government. And, uh, but at the same time, we, we want more government because we want people to spread their wealth around. Mm-hmm. Are you confused? because I I can be confused by listening to them.
0: Yeah, I, well, I mean I I mean I, it doesn't take it doesn't take a PhD in you know economics or or political science or something to understand that, that people are are just massive hypocrites who are weaponizing to per, to promote a particular political position. Here's That's, the key that, that they're not practicing if if this guy this guy claims to be a Christian, this Kevin Young. Not Kevin D Young. Kevin Young. Hey,
1: here's here's what I saw about he, he, him. He,
0: he's not he's not selling everything that he has and distributing it to anybody who, who, that has need,
1: right? No, no. But he he <laughs> is he is basing much of his stuff off of appeals to authority. Mm. You know, like whenever I'm on Twitter, and I see somebody who has Doctor or PhD in front of their their name, mm. then I know they're like super super insecure. They can't argue ideas based off of the, the merit of the actual argumentation they're presenting, or the substance of the argument, they had to have doctor or PhD in front of their name. I I just I don't like it. It's one of my pet peeves. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, whenever I see that, I'm already like, all right, all right, you're gonna you're gonna appeal to emotion. You're going to you're going to traffic in obfuscations and all these type of things.
0: His uh, his pronouns are he him Rev. He,
1: him rev huh he, him rev.
0: yeah <laughs> he's got a doctorate in early church and ancient faith formation hmm. he's a pastor coach not yeah. a pastor not not pastor comma coach pastor
1: coach he's he is the guy who uh <clears throat> is super big on therapy did you see that You probably could find that if you scroll back a couple weeks. He's talking about how uh, you should, if your pastor doesn't have a therapist, you need a different pastor because everybody needs therapy. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. George, I'm I'm reading a book right now on uh, PTSD (laughs) and written by a psychologist. I'm just just scrolling through this guy's feed.
0: Look at this picture that he posted of himself. (laughs) The journey to publishing begins.
1: Sometimes, I don't know. Could
0: he find a, could he find a tighter shirt? Sometimes, sometimes I was going to
1: say, sometimes Drake wears shirts like that because he's, you know, he's out there, you know, spreading his pheromones around looking for a wife. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, cover it up, bud, (laughs) cover it up, buddy. That's like that's like the equivalent of a of who's a Who's taking that picture? Hey, that's it, that's the equivalent of a woman of a woman <clears> who's in like in front of the church wearing yoga pants. Like just imagine she's on, mm. on Instagram, she's got her butt sticking out, and she's mm. like, The journey begins to publishing. <laughs> that's what he just did right there with that picture. You know what I mean? But it's okay. It's okay because he's a, he's a dude, you know, he's got to show those he's gotta show those muscles. Mm-hmm. He's gotta tell you he's a doctor, so you'll listen to him. Yeah. But anyway, he's he's all about that therapy. Pastor's gotta have a therapist. Right. And you know, George is my therapist. Unfortunately. <laughs> George George is privy to the to the inner uh yeah. ravings <clears throat> of uh of this madman mm-hmm. off the air. So, George is my therapist, but, yep. you know, that's the natural way. The church has done it for 2,000 years, though. Huh? Imagine that. Bearing each other's burdens. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Crazy, right? Anyway, I'm super, even more so than I was before. Like, I, I, I know the value of sitting down and talking to somebody. I just think the local church has what mm-hmm. you need in that regard. Sure. And there is even a time and in, in a place where, <clears throat> you know, somebody actually needs more in-depth help uh, because they have something physically wrong with their brain, you know. Um, I'm not opposed to that. I'd encourage even uh, veterans to go see the doctor if they have, uh, maybe they have some symptoms of traumatic brain injury, you know. Brain science is advancing and we're learning, we've learned a lot even in the past five years about the type of things and behaviors that uh, can occur because people have had a TBI, things like that. So I would never discourage someone from seeking that out. What I'm addressing is his talk about therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a book right now. It's sad. I've sent you a couple screenshots. It's yeah. written by a psychologist, and he documents how systematically this the the field of therapy psychology has failed veterans because they've addressed PTSD. Num- num- number one, they diagnosed what it is wrong, what it is, and what the problem is incorrectly for years. And then they've tried to treat it incorrectly for years. Mm. And by years, I mean like from the Vietnam War mm. till now. Till now. Yeah. So again, I go back to the 22 suicides mm. a day, mm. alcoholism, homelessness, homelessness in the veteran community, huge. Yeah. And they're admitting now, <laughs> like, can we get a redo? I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> Yeah. I don't trust you. You yeah. know what I mean? You can't get a redo. And the reason you can't get a redo <clears throat> is because you think we're just a brain. Mm-hmm. And even this psychologist is admitting that. The problem is the materialism, mm. the worldview, secular materialism. Um, so now, yeah, if yeah, your we, pastor has a therapist and it's a secular therapist, right. find a new pastor. <laughs> yeah that's um, we, we talk
0: about um, counseling and and psychology and, and and therapy on here quite a bit. and maybe people don't understand why we, why we criticize it so much. Um, it, it is because the secular world um, they they view people as just a body, and you you are the sum total of your brain. And chemical reactions mm-hmm. and that's that's simply not true so they're not going to if they if you go to somebody that has that view you're not going to be helped in the way that you ought to be helped because the Bible teaches that we' are a body and a soul mm-hmm. we have the outer man what's physical and the inner man um, that which is immaterial and to uh, to actually be helped, you have to be helped with both your body and your spirit, right? Um, and a, a secular a secular psychologist isn't going to help you that way. Mm-hmm. And if you go to an unbeliever, even if they believe in a soul, even if they're um, you know religious or spiritual, and they, they right. believe that you are a body and a and immaterial, um, if they're not Christians. They're not going to be able to help you either, and they might harm you more than help you because the closer you get to the things of God, the the things that are true, um, the further off an unbeliever is going to go. Right? They're, they're not going to be able to get at what the <clears throat> truth is, yeah. because they're suppressing the truth about God in unrighteousness, and so they're going to they're still going to sneak in secular um, man's ideas and and uh, secular worldviews into that and it's going to the the closer you get to to spiritual things the the more you need to be really cautious about right um, psychologists and and counselors and things like that
1: like the people who would spiritualize the Enneagram as a key right to unlocking yeah understanding yourself and Uh spiritual growth and maturity right it's yeah, we, so could then, whole, so, we could do a whole we could do a whole class on our whole one on that probably. Yeah, be cool.
0: yeah. So that's uh, so somebody that that holds to the enneagram as a helpful tool. Um, it was created by uh, new age, mm-hmm. new age people under automatic writing. Uh, so they 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 would believe in spiritual things, but they've just completely gone off the rails because they're they're not submitting to the truth of God's word. So you don't want yeah. to you don't want to follow people like that and and listen to them, in uh, in how they're trying to help you, because they're steering you away from what will actually help you, mm-hmm.
1: uh, through the scriptures. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So two two mm-hmm. spheres there. Yeah. You can legitimately be helped. There may be uh, there's a biological component because w- mm-hmm. though we are we are a bo- we are a body brain, and a soul. Mm-hmm. Our Our brain like houses us like we are our brain, but we aren't simply only it right you're more than just chemical and that's what that he firing that's what he brain. uh i don 't know if I sent you that page where he talked about that how um and it it's the book is intriguing to me for a number of reasons, one because this person is not a Christian, and he's gone through this uh journey away from purely material, the material like world all there is is material mm-hmm. And he acknowledged uh, s- uh, there, have been, there have been many people who have been helped in a biological component mm-hmm. because of the advances of science and medicine. Right. But underlying it has been what he calls a soul wound mm. that hasn't been healed. Yeah. So you, you may have, like, get yourself to a place where you can function in society, but there's this deep scar on what he calls a soul I yeah. just found that incredibly interesting. Yeah. Um, so he's making,
0: uh, he's making good observations, correct observations. Right. But as long as he's not submitting to God's Word, he's still, he's still, still going to miss the mark.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, How do we even get on here? We're talking biblical interpretation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's why it's a free-for-all Friday. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it, we got there somehow from um, the muscle man, the mm-hmm. doctor. Yeah. We want you all to he, know he's cause, a doctor.
0: Yeah, because he, he thinks that oh, every, he, every pastor he, should have.
1: Every if he doesn't have a secular therapist right. or whatever, you yeah, all right. Mm. I have two. Like I I don't need any more. I've got you and I've got my wife. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get the filtered version. She gets like the unfiltered. I get the filtered version? Yeah, you do. You get the filtered version. Huh? Hmm. I don't know what to say to that, Jay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Say what you say what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it should be, though, right? I mean, that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. You should have, you know, your your wife, that's your number one. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be. Yeah. If it's not, you gotta fix that. But then you gotta have a you gotta have like a guy friend that you can talk to. You know what I mean? That you can tell. A bro you can, yeah you can yeah, bounce stuff off yeah are you a theo bro i'm a theo uh-huh. bro <laughs> yeah so and they got to be able to tell you like hey uh, maybe you're maybe you're thinking incorrectly about this yeah. you know what i mean so yeah uh, i just if you're a christian and you need therapy um let's try to go with a christian mm-hmm. let's try to go with another christian right say All right, you know what for whatever reason, you know, I, I think I need to talk to someone other than my spouse. Let's try to stick with the Christian approach first.
0: And I would I would encourage people. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, make this a law. Um, but I would encourage you to find someone in your local church. Right. Someone that actually <laughs> is in um, a covenant membership with you uh, and uh, will walk alongside you and, you, hey. and, and is... Is a part of your 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 community of, of believers,
1: I, and I, I'd I'd even would say, <clears throat> hey, maybe there are some things like you're just not ready to share within that local, mm-hmm. right, that close of proximity yet. Well, there are other Christians, even well, like at Josh King's church. There's an actual guy he does therapy. He's like mm-hmm. a Christian, but he's a legit Christian therapist, and he actually has his church's belief statements on mm-hmm. his yeah. Where where you go to his page and you say, "I'm in submission to this local church." Here's my beliefs that yeah. you'll be you'll be counseled by, right? Yeah, that's good. Then you can go go with something like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, but try to go Christian first. Would that be crazy if, if we tried to like actually follow the Bible? Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, we're. <laughs> it's not
0: that that's not tongue in cheek. Like the Bible tells us. This is what we're supposed to do, like bear each other's burdens. Um, this actually fulfills the law. This is what we're supposed to do, love each mm-hmm. other as we, as we love ourselves. Um, we, we make excuses for why we don't do that, and we also don't um, devote ourselves to the local church in a way that people would feel comfortable going to you. Right. We need, we need to we need to do a better job of of bearing each other's burdens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like rejoicing with That's those true. who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. Yeah. Like yeah, Walking alongside each other, being willing to to hurt along with somebody.
1: Well, this became interesting. Perhaps uh, this is the way that <clears throat> God just wanted it to go. Yeah. Um, but Larry's got to leave at twelve. That's so. True. We, uh, we need to hop in here to Biblical Interpretation. Okay. All right, so where should we, where should we begin? I mean, maybe that's a question. Um, let's begin by putting ourselves in the shoes of the regular Christian in America. Okay. There are two types of preaching, I think, that they are going to encounter, and they may not be able to categorize them or name them, but they for sure will recognize them when I say it. Okay, there is the... Joel Osteen type preacher. Okay, in that category, I would also put someone like who's who else is famous? T.D. Jakes, mm-hmm. Stephen Furtick. Um, yep. Anyone else that's real popular like that that people might have encountered? Joyce Meyer. Joyce Meyer. Okay. These these preachers are allegorical preachers. Mm-hmm. That'd be the broad spectrum of what we would call allegorical preacher. But even within that, there's a, 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 a kind of an another category of what's some people have called narcissistic uh, interpretation. We can discuss that. But first, what is allegorical interpretation, George? Let's start there. Let's answer that question. Cause that's the first. Well, let me let me let me get through all of this out, then we can do it. Allegorical interpretation. The other they'll encounter, they no doubt have seen, is sometimes, you know, people will encounter someone like John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Might be on the radio, uh, could be on podcasts, or like, oh, John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul. Um, John Piper, maybe a little bit older generation, some would be Chuck Swindoll, um, who's another one that's pretty popular from that Chuck Swindoll era. Adrian uh, Rogers. Adrian Rogers. Like, all of these people are um, interpreting the Bible according to a different hermeneutic. It would be a literal hermeneutic, so a literal, historical, grammatical So you have these two schools so you have these people like adrian rogers or today john macarthur and people in between they're trying to preach the actual what the bible actually says right what it says the other one that they have seen are td jakes stephen furtick these guys who are allegorizing so let's talk about the difference in these two and then maybe we'll even talk about where they come from historically what what comes to mind when I say allegorical preaching? Um, allegory
0: is looking for a hidden meaning behind the clear words. mm mm-hmm. um, An allegory would be... Um, i'm trying to think of like a specific a specific example that that might be helpful mm-hmm. um a lot of um nursery rhymes are allegories there's a there's a really funny i think she's tiktok a tiktok personality mm. she has a, a a tiktok where she does like these hidden meanings behind these really popular right. um, nursery rooms. like Humpty Dumpty fell off. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Mm. Like that's that's an allegory. There's there's a historical situation going on behind that. Um, so a, an allegorical interpretation of the scripture would be to take a, a particular story and say these different elements stand for something else there's there's some other meaning behind it right so the story itself at face value is not the real meaning of the text mm-hmm. there's there's actually another meaning that's going on behind it so
1: um well, here's where people could get confused because they might say, well, I know when I come to like the book of Revelation and there's a dragon mm-hmm. like trying to devour this woman and her child. Right. Well, I know that that's behind that symbolism is an actual meaning uh, like Satan, the dragon, is trying right. to destroy Christ right. and his church. Mm-hmm. So, how do we get to the difference?
0: Well, I think this is, um, there's some words that I think are, are helpful. We these are words that we we just kind of throw around without um, thinking about defining them. But I think it would be good for us to define these. I put I've got them up on uh, on my screen. If you want to mm. turn over there, uh, exegesis and eisegesis. Yeah, and I think this this kind of helps to get behind what's going on with with the literal hermeneutic and the allegorical mm-hmm. hermeneutic. So um, we start with with uh, exegesis. X is out of. Um, so this is this is trying to draw out of the text. Mm-hmm. Right? What what does the text mean? Here, I'm switch gonna, over to mine, Larry. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw out my, of my tablet. I'm gonna draw out. There you go. There, there you go. go. Yeah. Drawing out of the text, right? Boom. Yeah. Yours is better than mine. This is the one I gave to the kids. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you you approach the text. You see the, the actual words that are written, and you ask, "What does? What do these words mean?" Mm-hmm. Um, eisegesis is putting something into the text. Yeah. Um, so, uh, a great a great example is David and Goliath, and that's that's the big one, right?
1: Ooh, you want to go there already.
0: Uh, I think it's I think it's helpful okay um, so so exegesis would be all right here's David um, and he's he has been anointed as the the next king over Israel mm-hmm. and um, now we have this big so he's he's anointed in first uh, Samuel chapter 16 in first Samuel chapter seventeen, you have this war between the Philistines and the Israelites, and you have Goliath he comes out there's a they're they're on two sides like two uh like hills, and there's a valley in between Goliath comes down into the valley and he issues a challenge let's not let's not fight you know army to army here I am if any i I challenge one of you to come out and fight me in in one to one combat, whoever wins that army wins right um and all all Israel's scared and here comes David and he he goes out and he he fights Goliath and he beats him mm-hmm. right well the the exegesis is all right what what does this story mean like n- uh, here's here's David this anointed king who goes out and he fights mm-hmm. he fights against the the representative of of the enemies
1: right and he's challenging the he's challenging god yeah yeah so yep. it's almost like uh, yeah, yeah Goli- let the gods stand off against each yeah, other. Yeah, Goliath
0: is blaspheming God, and, and David comes in the name of, of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so it's trying to figure out, all right, what's going on in this story? And you have to do a little bit of work, but the meaning kind of pops out. David is this shepherd mm-hmm. from Bethlehem. He's anointed as king. He goes and he fights the enemy, right? On behalf of Israel. He, he's the representative. He goes out and fights on behalf of Israel. And he kills Goliath by first hitting him with a stone in the head mm-hmm. and then cutting, cutting his, cutting head, his off. head off. And he says it several times I'm going to cut your head off. Uh-huh. It, it's repeated, I think, three times. It says that. He he says, "I'm going to cut your head off." He cut his head off. He brings his head yep. um, to Saul. So there's there's this repetition of there's something there's an emphasis on the fact that his head, Goliath's head, has been removed. Well, I mean, what's going on? You've you've I mean, you have to you have to dig into the text, and you have you have promises right. that say that someone is going to come from Israel. He's going to be king, and he's going to he's going to crush the head of of the enemies. Mm-hmm. Well, here's. Here's a king who does it. Yeah. Well, Isegesis says um, there's something else going on. Right. You've got this guy and he's going out and he's fighting these giants. And uh, I mean, you've, I've heard it several times. Um, you know, what giants are you facing?
1: Yeah. No, we had uh, in our Preaching the Old Testament class, <clears throat> we had an entire big assignment on. Reading all of these uh, sermons people preached on this mm-hmm. the ones that were doing Isa Jesus yeah and even watching clips and then reading uh, people who <laughs> preached it according to the actual Bible it was fascinating yeah because it's like a huge one like you can really get at a person's hermeneutic by how they preach this story mm-hmm. uh, and i I do have a clip. Let me see if I can find it. And this clip comes from. Oh, where is it? I know it's in here somewhere. I had it ready. (laughs) Don't you just love it when it when it's not there? There it is. There we go. You can switch over. We get an ad for oh yeah, for uh, whatever this is.
2: Attention player in his unfolding story. God is not a supporting actor in my life movie.
3: The Bible's not about you.
2: I have been cast as a player in his unfolding story of redemption. And we've got that reversed today.
3: Here's what you, you'll keep infusing yourself into the stories of the Bible like you're the hero. And so a way of reading the Bible that always makes man the hero, and not an, the acts of God, the hero. I, I think if you mess that up, then you're reading the Bible entirely wrong because the, the Bible wants to consistently get your eyes off of you and onto a God who is able. So it's not you that are able, it's God that's able. And, and so the, I think David and Goliath, you're right, it's just a perfect story for it. And anytime you hear the David and Goliath story, you're hearing about how you're David.
0: In order for David to become David, he needed Saul. Stop despising Saul. You need Saul. You need people to hate on you. You need the people to tear you up. Thank God for Saul because if you
3: got a Saul, that makes you David. I want to be straight. I love you You enough to be straight. You're not David. So I'm David and the Goliath is my debt or it's my difficult marriage or it's my boss at work.
1: We're gonna keep our distance from our
3: enemy and sling our stones until every Goliath falls
4: down in our life.
3: I'm gonna grab the stone of faith and I'm gonna sling it at my giant of this boss at work and I'm gonna slay and I'm gonna hold up his head. You're going to defeat that giant. Yes, that obstacle is big, but you have greatness in you. And that would be a very narcissistic way to to read the Bible. But in a Christ-centered hermeneutic, we're going to approach the Bible and go, what's going on in this very true story? Um, It it appears here that there's something that is terrifying and and that on the surface, it looks like it cannot be killed. And yet it's overcome by this man who, by faith, killed what couldn't be killed. And and now we're onto a thread, right? Like, Like who, what's more undefeatable than sin and death? What David was doing was enacting the justice of God on the enemies of God for the victory and salvation of God's people who did absolutely nothing but be afraid and terrified to approach the enemies of God. You know who conquers our giants? Christ conquers our giants. It's not me that conquers my giant, like the great giant of my life, sin and death cannot be conquered by me picking up a stone of faith and throwing it, but by the finished work of Christ who conquered death with a single shot.
1: Okay. Boom. Um, That's from the uh, American gospel. Go
0: watch uh, it. You know, we, we criticize Matt Chandler some, and I think he's deserving of some criticism, but, um, it's such a boss move. He's invited to this conference where Stephen <laughs> Furtick <laughs> preaches. It's pretty Ste- legendary. And Stephen pre- uh, Stephen Furtick preaches that sermon. It's it's there uh-huh. where where uh, you know Goliath is your problems. You're right. you're gonna defeat. Goliath because you're David and then <laughs> Matt Taylor stands up and preaches that sermon where he <laughs> says you're not David I mean that's such a great that's such a great man I don't think he probably
1: was invited back he was never invited back no yeah,
0: yeah. No. Um, I, I, I as I was listening to that I'm trying to anticipate some questions that people might have because we're saying okay the allegorical interpretation is that there's this this other meaning behind the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, then these people, Matt Chandler and and Michael Horton, and I don't know who that other guy was. I don't know, I don't know who that third guy mm-hmm. was. Um, they're they are saying, "Look, um, this is really about Jesus, right?" And I can anticipate the question: "Isn't that allegory?" And I I, I just want to make clear that allegory allegory dismisses the 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 surface-level story altogether.
1: Right. So, I w- do you want know, me to give you an example of that? Uh, so where they can see dismissing the surface story yeah, yeah, altogether? Yeah, yeah, sure. You got a perfect one. It comes by way of our president. <laughs> Were you surprised? <laughs> Are you surprised by that? No. No, I am not. Politicians well, will together. use the use at this. the Bible however this they... This is uh, our president, president. Okay. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Mr. If you ain't lying, you ain't trying. <laughs> uh, I want to bring a clip montage of him like lying through history. He's, mm-hmm. I, what I'm convinced now most about him is that he's an actor. I yeah. think most politicians now are actually just actors. So they're not, they're not people who are leaders and, and actually work for change. They're people who are the best at acting, hmm. and they lie all the time. Yeah. about everything all of them do. It just so happens that they have him on video doing it so much. Mm. But here he is, um, our president, engaged in some ma- some major, major allegorical interpretation. Okay. I, met
4: with you, I met with you, prayed with you, prayed with you and have worked with, work with you. We've seen you turn pain, pain into, purpose. into purpose. together, together we made some important progress. Most significant gun law passed in 30 years, but still not enough. Still he's, talk, not enough. he's
1: talking at a memorial to uh, one of these massacres, gun massacres.
4: Even as our, our work continues to limit the number of bullets that can be in a cartridge, the type of weapon that can be purchased and sold the attempt to ban assault weapons, a whole range of things that are just common sense, just simple common sense. But you know, uh, we did it before. You may remember. In the 90s, we did it to help the very people in here, led by Speaker Pelosi in the House and many others. And We did it. And guess what? It worked. The number of violent and mass, mass murders, murders reduced were, were significant. A lot of people's lives were saved. You know, uh, and we can do it again. We can do it again. So. <clears throat> Scripture says the light shines, the light shines in darkness. In darkness. And the darkness Darkness has not overcome it. it. To all of you here tonight, (sighs) you are the light. You are are literally the light. (laughs) And your loved ones (laughs) your your friends, they're the light. light. And they'll always be with you, you, no matter what happens. happens. Mm.
1: There you go. You are the light. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. You are that light Mm. when you stand for Mm -hmm. gun reform. (laughs) <laughs> In this dark world, all right uh there's a major problem with that yeah you know I these would be one of those where I'm like, you know what maybe some you know you could you could allegorize and not worry for you know maybe your eternal soul mm. and there are others that yeah, maybe you ought not to even go there this would be one of those yeah the you know allegorizing <laughs> one of those allegorizing the story of
0: david and goliath it's wrong <laughs> it's it's bad biblical interpretation and and so i i believe that that's a sin yeah but you can hold to that and still yeah i mean it, it's not you can still you can still be saved justified by faith in Christ alone.
1: You can be. Right. But you never want to go full Antichrist mode in your allegory. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, true. that's never a good idea, <laughs> which is exactly what he did. He went full Antichrist mode. Uh, what? What? Who is the light? <laughs> yeah. um, I've got a Bible here. You ever, you ever, ever, you ever think crack, about just like maybe one read, of those yeah. open? <laughs> you ever just like read one, read read a couple of these, uh, these letters made into words, into sentences and think what if God actually knew how to communicate? Mm -hmm. Maybe he means what he just says right here. Well, this is what he says in the beginning of John's gospel. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. They would write the most bomb gun reform known to mankind. Mm -hmm. And everyone would leave their human depravity behind and would be ushered in by the conqueror of corn pop into a human utopia. No. Are you reading out the message? <laughs> yeah. No, this is not the gospel of corn pop we're reading. Right? We're reading, we're reading the gospel of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Then he says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. He's God. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own And his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He's speaking about Jesus, right? He's the true light that comes into the world. And we're not the light, right? That's not us. Yeah. So...
0: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I just just completely removed Jesus from the text right. and, and just replaced um so it so that's that's so that's the allegorical reading is dismissing the the face value meaning. So going back to David and Goliath, the allegorical meaning uh, or interpretation um isn't isn't too concerned with there actually was this battle between a real historical david and a real historical goliath and david hit him in the head with a rock from a slingshot and then cut off his head That's that's that doesn't really that doesn't really play into the the allegorical interpretation Mm -hmm. it really is and I, i think we'll talk about this in just a second um jumping jumping straight to application Right, instead of dealing with right. the text, that that kind of is the that, that's that's kind of the um, uh, I don't know the the child of the allegorical interpretation. Right. Like that's the the modern the modern product of the allegorical.
1: But what's going on with I, with? Well, that? hang on, I may have assumed too much. What I was reading was John's explanation of the light, mm-hmm. but John one five is about the light. It's where that's what Joe Biden quoted. Mm-hmm light coming it comes in the world right uh, i assumed everyone would know that but down a little further is where he explains the right life. okay right. i just want to make people make people might be like well you didn't read that yeah that's what it is
0: right um yeah go back and read john's prologue it's yeah. it's very clear who he's talking about <laughs> right right um it's not joe biden and these gun control lobbyists um but what what that what the what the um Matt Chandler and michael horton and and them were and what we would say in our interpretation of the passage is, um, the Bible is filled with patterns of these stories that bear resemblance with each other. Yeah, they're real stories, they're real events, they're real historical, real historical events. Um, and that's key to interpreting it. Um, they they're they're not allegorical. They're not they're not imaginary. They're not some kind of tall tale or fable. They're real events that, in God's sovereignty over history, God has intentioned to communicate these these truths in a pattern that's repeated, and that's called typology. Right. And so the interpretation that we're giving of David and Goliath, where we're saying, "Look, this story is actually pointing to something greater." It's picking up on this pattern where um, God promised back in Genesis three fifteen that the seed of the woman would come and crush the head of the seed of the serpent, and then we have these patterns of a deliverer arising mm-hmm. who fights as a representative of God's people and defeats the enemy, um, and this pattern keeps being repeated. Um, over and over and over again, because God, think. God is intending for these stories to to compound, right. to pile up, yeah. to make you as you're reading through the text to say something's going on. That this is this is this is foreshadowing.
1: Well, that's what I was going to say. A way to think of typology is providential foreshadowing. Yeah, like God writes history; mm-hmm. it's right. unfolding according to His plan, and He has communicated and put these foreshadows. In real people, in real figures, and in institutions, mm-hmm. um, buildings, um, and so that's different than allegorizing. Yeah. I think uh, this, is, e-
0: this is why this is why it's good for you to um, read Genesis to Malachi in in just together, just from start to finish, so that you can pick up on these patterns because yeah. there's there's a bunch of repeated patterns, and as you read through the text. Um, note those patterns um one would be um how God saves his people through water mm-hmm. I mean you, you may have never even thought about it i mean you've got you've got noah's ark you've got the exodus and then as you read the prophets they're saying God's going to do this in a greater way um and that and then we have Christ coming he's baptized um and then we have us, we're we, we're baptized, and so we've got we have these pictures that that keep coming. Um, so you have to pick up on these these patterns. Um, but also typology depends on these patterns finding um, this goal in some kind of escalation. So this this uh, this pattern of God's representative savior defeating the enemy by crushing his head, um, it is escalated in. Christ, right? He—he's yeah. not just another David. He's greater than David. He's—he's mm. I mean, he's the
1: fulfillment to which I, David was pointing. So I think they'll, uh, we'll, we'll show an ancient one, and I think they'll really get it. So the allegorical interpretation didn't just pop on the scene. It's not new. It goes all the way back to the Alex- Alexandrian school of interpretation. So what you know, church historians and Bible interpreters noticed. Um, I don't know the very first person to mention this. I think I think it was somewhere around 500 AD. I can't remember his name, but recognize there's really kind of two two types of preachers in the early church. Okay, there are those who preach allegorically; that is, there is a, a deeper meaning here to the passage than what we are able to get on the on face value. Then there are those who are taking it and interpreting interpreting it literally, like according to the literal grammatical interpretation. This would be the Antiochian school. So two kind of the big players in the early church from those schools' origin is from the allegorical school. Um, and then on the other side, you would have John Christostom, the one they call Golden Mouth because he's such a good preacher. Uh, John Christostom follows the literal interpretation. So both of these men, it's interesting um origin allegorizes uh Genesis chapters 1 through 3. He sees it as an allegory. It's a it's a colorful story poetic on the condition of man and the fall that every man undergoes mm. or happens to every human. He's not denying human depravity. He's just saying this is not that. Then on the other hand, John Christostom literally says, Adam is a person. Mm-hmm. This is an actual historical event that took place. Um, one of the most famous allegorizations, I think... Did,
0: did you mention the other school? There's Alexandria and... Uh, Antioch. Okay. Antioch is the literal. Where, where are these places in case people aren't familiar
1: with them? Uh, Alexandria is in Egypt. Um, and... Antioch, it would be in modern-day Turkey, right, or mm-hmm. Syria? Would mm-hmm. be closer to Syria. Uh, it depends which Antioch you're
0: talking about. I think. Yeah, I think there's several. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but in that in that right. area, so kind of kind of
1: north and, uh-huh. and south. Yeah. And so, a famous one is Origins' homily on the Good Samaritan, which is bonkers, right? Right, it is. You, here's a little. Summary of it. Okay, you ready? <clears throat> Here's what he says. You might, you might summarize. Oh, wait, you, you want to just re- read us the parable? If you could pull it up, that would be helpful. Then I'll, I'll summarize this, um, and and people can. Th- I think then you'll really get what allegory, allegorical interpretation is. Um, and then you'll then you'll be able to recognize it when you see it, when preachers are doing it. Modern-day preachers really do it in more of a Narcid, Narcid Jesus type of a way where the text is about you and us. Um, trying to remember where the Good
0: Samaritan is.
1: The Good Samaritan is in Luke. Now oh,
0: I can't think of there it. There it is. All right. It's, uh, it's Luke chapter 10. Yeah. That was a little bit later. Um, okay. Uh, I'll just read the, the, entire, the entire passage. Okay. Um, it says, Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live.
1: he comes to the passage, and I think, you know, what he would say is, hey, obviously the message is be a good neighbor. Here's here's what a good neighbor looks like. But he says, but there's a deeper meaning here. Let me unfold it for you. All right, he says, the man who was going down is Adam. Jerusalem is paradise, and Jericho is the world. The robbers are hostile powers. The priest is the law. The Levite." is the prophets. And the Samaritan is Christ. The wounds are disobedience. Uh, the beast is the Lord's body. The I, ped, pedochium, that is the stable, which accepts all who wish to enter, is the church. I'm guessing that's the, the, in, the, the, inn. the inn. The inn is the church. And further, the two denarii mean the father and the son. You didn't see that, did you, George? I did not. You're not enlightened. Because I
0: thought the who's, who's the the Samaritan is is Christ, right? Is that what and he
1: gives the two denarii, but he's there the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. the The manager of the stable is the head of the church. Wonder who that would be. To whom it cares? It to whom its care has been entrusted, and the fact that the Samaritan promises he will return. What do you think that is? The that second, second coming. coming yeah. The second mm-hmm. coming. So this is allegorical interpretation. So uh, you can see, obviously, how this is, he's kind of creative, all origin. Uh, yeah, that's
0: uh, the the allegorical interpretation, it, it's really creative. You mm-hmm. got to be really creative. But the, <laughs> the weakness of it is you've got people that are sitting there with open Bibles and they're like, what? Huh?
1: Say what <laughs> That was me before I went to yeah. seminary <laughs> listening to sermons. What how do you get this? Uh-huh. Yeah. What kind of secret knowledge will I be initiated to so that I can come up with these? It, it is.
0: It is almost a Gnostic things. It's almost a Gnostic way of and of, of approaching the Bible. It's like, well, there's there is this this deeper meaning to the text that um you're, you're just not going to get. <laughs> you need an origin to. You need an origin to to lay this bare for you. Uh, whereas Here, typology, yeah, typology. The the um, the strength of typology is that it's in the text. Yeah. Um, now you have to pay attention. Mm-hmm. You you um, you have to do some work, but you don't have to sit there and be like, I don't see it.
1: Well, not but only the pattern is and, and, there if you're paying attention, and also to it. the pattern is laid down for us by the disciples mm-hmm. and their teachings right. in the New Testament. They they show us, mm-hmm. I believe, what Jesus showed them yeah. before he ascended, yeah. which was how the all of the Bible is about him and points to him. Mm-hmm. So he, they pass on to us what they learned from the Lord, I believe, yeah. um, and what they've been taught by the Holy Spirit, who mm-hmm. taught them even more after Jesus ascended, mm-hmm. um, and in some cases. Maybe even directly taught, as I believe the Apostle Paul was taught by Christ. Mm. So uh, the pattern is there for you in the New Testament to read. Like you can read and you can see how how are the disciples interpreting the Old Testament. Right. We can follow the same the same way. This other thing is an altogether different. Here's a great example. Of this is, I remember this back when I was started preaching through John. I was in John three. <laughs> that must have been like 50 years ago. And John, and John three, you know I'm reading different things, and then you know I'd listen to John MacArthur. He's preaching uh, Jesus and Nicodemus, and he says one of my favorite things it actually made me laugh out loud. So I think I was driving when I heard. it. I think I laughed out loud. It takes a lot for me. Made me laugh out loud. So mm. I laugh a lot, not not often, out loud, yeah. especially by myself in a car. So he says the uh, John records here that. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. You know, many people have speculated as to why he wrote it that he came at night. Mm. And he could list all of these. There was like a list of them. Mm. Nighttime represents the darkness of Nicodemus' soul. And Mm. and John's framing this in a way that you can understand that he's unregenerate. Mm. And also, it could be nighttime represents how people are ashamed to approach Christ Mm. in front of others. And that may be you and you may be ashamed, and so John has taken this this very expressive form of writing, and you can see how it can really affect you. John MacArthur goes, you know why John recorded that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night? Because it was nighttime, <laughs> and then he just moved on. <laughs> that's it. That's the, that's the reason why he records it's at night. Mm. Now, obviously, we can know. At the beginning, when John's not, or uh, Nicodemus, he's not all in yet. Mm -hmm. He's trying to preserve his career, Mm -hmm. right? He's trying to look out for himself because he's not fully, fully bought in. He knows something's up with Jesus. He's from God. So the nighttime provides him, you know, some camouflage. Right. He can move like a ninja, like a theologically inquiring ninja. Yeah.
0: Also, I mean, Jesus is bombarded during the day. Yeah, <laughs> when are you going to talk to him one on one? It's not going to be when he's got fifty people around him wanting wanting him to heal them.
1: You might have to. You might have to uh, be close by to some of those weird like sinners and tax collectors yeah. if you come come yeah. looking come looking to Jesus at night. He might be eating dinner with them. Yeah. Anyway, th- I thought that was hilarious, yeah. and it, it's it's totally right. But that's how that's, so, that's 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 it. That's the allegorical. Then there's the literal, right? The literal, literal, historical, grammatical, which I think we want to explain more of, right? How do how do you do that? Um, before we we kind of transition, I want to want to
0: kind of explore. I think what people will hear the most when they go to. Maybe just your average mm. church, okay. Which is it's it's not necessarily allegorical, though. There, I, I think there's probably still some allegorical elements that that sneak in. It is this um, this jump to application, right? So you'll read a passage like the Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. and you don't ignore the story but you you kind of rush through the story to get to what does this mean for me right how does this how does this story point to to me what what do i do with it mm-hmm. it's kind of this utilitarian approach to the scriptures right um, it's got to it's got to have some benefit it has to have something to do with me or why are we even you know spending time doing this mhm Um, And that's just as dangerous as the allegorical because it's not taking the immediate context seriously. Mm -hmm. And so you're just jumping straight to – so an example – don't have it on video. I probably wouldn't show it even if I did. I heard did. you. I heard you laughing in there. Do you have a couple oh, of examples? I, oh, Jay, we could just spend the rest of the time just looking at funny clips. I've, <laughs> I've got, got two,
1: I've got two that I would love to okay. show. I'm not sure where to sneak them in. Well, I'm going to show mine before okay. before we move on to explain how to interpret the Bible. Okay. Uh, well, I've got, to the I've got, literal, t- I've got two
0: that are really. I've got, a funny I've got one. two that are funny. So we can we can watch. We maybe we could watch all three of them.
1: Okay, you go one. Okay. Then I'll show mine in the middle. Then okay. we'll go with yours. Okay.
0: Um, so an example that um, I heard uh, a pastor in this area do years ago. I think I know where you're I going to. Uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I won't. Um, I won't. Uh, I will not say his name to protect him. Even though he's—is it
1: the one that I? Had he's a, guilty. <laughs> is the he's one guilty I, of this. It's the one I had a private meeting with. He's guilty of this. Oh yeah, oh, with yeah, another yeah. pastor present? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what's always funny is the miscalculation. And I'm not saying this. In, you know, I'm not. Tr- I don't know if I should even say it. I'm just going to say it. All right. Um, if you live in a military town, you'd think you'd be a little more shrewd. As to like who you're talking trash on, right? (laughs) Like, so for instance, if you're gonna like publicly talk trash about me in the world, I'll forgive you, but I might schedule a private meeting with you and another pastor present so that you can look me in the face and say it or deny it. Yeah. So that was a fun meeting, George. Mm -hmm. So yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: So I was at a a meeting where this pastor was
1: preaching the lord laid it on his heart though he yeah, laid it on his heart that's how he always begin and you can't argue if the lord laid it on your heart george so i don't even know what you're doing right now
0: <laughs> he was talking about the church and uh, you know the purpose of the church he was trying to give this you know encouraging uplifting message and he said you know just like the scripture says but for this purpose i've raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth Right. And all you know, all these, all these pastors, are like, Amen, Amen. And all the uh, church was like, Amen, brother. Yeah, that's a good word. The Lord laid on your heart. And it, you know, it, it sounds like, yeah, you know, this is encouraging for the church. It's this is the reason the church is here is so God's power can be displayed. Until you, you I mean, he 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 quoted the verse. He said Exodus. He he said it's in Exodus chapter nine. Um, until you go there and you see that this is this is God speaking to Pharaoh. <laughs> Um, it's the the reason why Pharaoh has been exalted to this position at this time is so that God hardens his heart and he doesn't release Israel so that God can pour out his wrath, his and, de- wrath and destroy his plagues, him. His, plagues, his plagues on these people. Um, and he gets he gets glory. Um, that's that's not what you want. Yeah, that's not, <laughs> that's what, you not want. what you want for your church. <laughs>
1: uh, but that's the that's the reading plot that, twist the, plot twist. He prophesied. Yeah, God's going to destroy the American church. I, hey, that
0: could, I mean, that could be the that could be the case. You that, never that know; it could be the case. But uh, that's that's what I mean by going to a passage, ignoring the immediate context, and immediately going to yeah. what's this mean about me? You make a, a massive blunder like that. Mm-hmm. Right. All right, you wanna watch you wanna hey, watch a couple of funny hey, clips. But around yeah? here,
1: around here, around here, you can make those massive blunders every Sunday, you know, and three or four hundred people will come to your church. Yeah. And they'll think you're amazing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's just the world we live in. That's the world we live in now.
0: All right. I, I've got two clips to show you. I've got I've got more, but I'll I'll save it to the two best ones. Okay, got. I got a funny one too. I got, I got two. Um I think that I think the best example outside the word of faith movement for, for this kind of interpretation is the IFB, the independent <laughs> fundamentalist uh, oh no. Baptist churches. I've got a, a more, a more recent clip and then I've got a classic. All right. Clip all right. That's that, it. That's uh, it. that was what I was laughing out loud about. Uh, so the, if you don't, if you're on Twitter, which I don't recommend, but if you're already there,
1: it's better it's you a little better now. and though. you
0: don't follow bad, cli- bad preacher clips.
1: Yeah. Do it right now.
0: <laughs> all of bad, bad preacher clips
1: and woke preacher clips right now. Yeah, woke,
0: woke preacher clips has, has good ones too yeah um, alright so here's here's the first one this is from I cannot remember this guy's name but he's, he's a pretty famous independent fundamentalist Baptist um, preacher and uh, here we go let me see if I can click it
5: What will happen to Elon Musk in the future? The Bible mentions a person named Elon in Judges ah, chapter 12, verse 11 as a ruler. Elon means oak. And interestingly, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 13, that the Antichrist will eat up the Jews as he does with an oak. So if Elon Musk is not saved and goes through the tribulation and stands against the Antichrist I'm sorry. minion, then he will Uh-oh. be eaten up. In Daniel chapter 11, <laughs> And verse 24, the Antichrist will make sure that he schemes Mm -hmm. against the strongholds, the powerful people, and eat up their riches. Or Elon Musk will join the side of the Antichrist. In James chapter 5, verse 1, 6 through 7, the rich people and the elites will persecute the tribulation saints. The last prediction is Daniel chapter 12, verse 4. The technology of Elon Musk, or people following it, will continue.
0: What will, wow, dude! So there you go. Uh, what will happen to Elon Musk? And hey. he just jumps all over the
1: place. <laughs> do you ever wonder, like, do some pastors take LSD? <laughs> and they're like, you know what? I'm out of fresh ideas. Gene Kim, give Gene me, me, Kim, that's that's give me the Gene,
0: LSD. Gene Kim has he has some of the funniest clips, but he's this hardcore IFB pastor. But he has some of these crazy. He's got. Uh, these guys they, they love their they love having their whiteboard with just all these charts that mm-hmm. they make and uh, they look like a
1: detective chasing a serial killer. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um he's he's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unintentionally funny, but I thought that one was pretty good. What will happen to Elon Musk? Well, there's a man named Elon mentioned in judges and he just he just jumps all over the place right. and it's like
1: Well, whatever. <laughs> I haven't seen it. there's nobody in the Bible named George though. Well, there, well, if you look in
0: in James, James chapter five, he says, uh, "Consider the farmer," and that's oh yeah the, yeah there the, you go. The name farmer is is Georgos. That's where my I name guess comes I
1: right. guess that means consider George. Consider you. Consider George. Consider yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. that's, that's a good, good one. That's good hermeneutics. I, I got I got one for you. Okay. I got one for you. Okay. Right. Now this is a big video, okay. but I'm only going to show. What I thought was maybe the most funny. Okay. (laughs) And kind a of position as a person, Not this person who is put into okay. a cage the with one Is it hungry or has it been
5: fed
3: already? Either way, tread carefully.
5: And what if God, scanning the planet, knows all of the people of various ages and in different countries? And what if God knocks on their door with so-called Gabriel and says, "Hey, I've got a beautiful way for you to fix this community problem, solve climate crisis, <laughs> so on and so forth." All of the stories. Stories at the Bible are not just something that might have happened, but what they mean for us today. And maybe what they mean for us today is that you too have a metaphorical dream, baby. Something that God wants to bring <laughs> forward in your life. If I were setting
3: the lines for
1: in my <laughs> <What>? <laughs> George, do you know how hard do you know how hard it was for me not to share that with you all week? George what's what? your metaphorical what dream, if, dream baby? What if you had a metaphorical dream baby? What? <laughs> <laughs> your metaf- your metaphorical dream baby could change society, George. Maybe Gabriel. What if God, has God just scanned he scanned all the planet and he
0: knew everybody. What what if? Can you imagine Jay if if God if God just what knew if? everybody? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh I would a say I would say dream, baby. you know, Let's. I can't I can't say this is a product of more women preaching because this this video here is filled with all manner of mm-hmm. men there we go. saying the most stupid things. Yeah. But metaphorical dream baby. That's pretty funny. I'm thinking of changing my Twitter <laughs> handle to that. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Instead of Dr. Jerry Jones, <laughs> what I think I'm thinking about putting is metaphorical dream baby. Yeah. That's sh- Jerry Jones. That should be your that should be your in your pronouns. <laughs> you, go,
0: you, go metaphor, <laughs> you go by metaphorical dream baby. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. I have a shirt made for you, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I've got one more, but I have to have a dis- I have to give a disclaimer. <laughs> This is an old clip. This is okay. an older clip, um, but this is a classic. Uh, this is from another IFP pastor, Stephen Anderson.
1: All right, no, this if you know cool. where I'm going. This is going to be if funny. You know where
0: I'm going. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be. Um, good. He. Uh, this is a little. You may consider this a little crass. Um, as crass as my
1: jokes. You know, it, <laughs> I got no complaints. I got no you know, complaints. You know,
0: I told I told Julia when I got home. I was like jay told a, a joke on the podcast today <laughs> and uh she listened to it and she said it wasn't as bad as you were making it out to all, be. Right, all So all
1: right you're just you're just a little puritan over there <sighs> let's not go crazy no touching your wife on the lord's day <laughs> george <clears throat>
0: So you're going to have to explain that. You can't just drop that bar. No.
1: <laughs> you can't just drop that I and, up, and no, move on. Okay. Well, the Puritans were known for like no no, no pleasure, right? <clears throat> frowny face, mans all the time. You know, no, no reading, no reading fiction books on the Lord's Day, George. Mm-hmm. That's too much entertainment. Right. So I'm just saying, you know. Stay away from your wife on the Lord's Day, George. Too much entertainment.
0: Yeah, they they um was it Jonathan Edwards or was it one of his children that was kind of scandalous because they believe that they believe that you were born on the day you were conceived, like on the day of the week. Mm -hmm. So if a baby is born on Sunday, yeah, what were y'all doing? Yeah,
1: you've just taking it back to the the garden. That's 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 what I say.
0: This conversation has gone off the rails, Jay. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the Steven Anderson video, uh, classic, classic, older video. But you say Steven it's crass. It's a, it could be perceived by some as a little crass, so I just wanted to give a little disclaimer. But what he says, the word that he says over and over and over again, um, it is in the King James Bible.
1: Oh, I know what you're going with. Yeah. So yeah. He's, a, he's a
0: King <coughs> James only. King yeah. James only. He's arguing from the King James. Yep. That, um, this is the first makes, clip I've
1: ever I ever saw of him.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, and he makes uh, he makes a big argument from the King James Bible. So just a little disclaimer in case you're you know got it, little kids and you don't want them hearing this word. It is in the King James Bible, but that doesn't mean that you want your kids going around saying this word. <laughs> Right. All right. All right. This is on YouTube, so I don't know if uh, if an advertisement. I'm always reminded
1: of this clip, like whenever I go to like a baseball game or something. You know what I mean? And I'll leave it there. (laughs) Jay, (laughs) the things you say.
0: All right. This is a long clip. It's four minutes long, but it's it's a good one. All right.
2: I'm going to close with one thing. I was reading my Bible this week. And I kept seeing this phrase jump out at me in the Bible. And you're not going to like this, but you haven't liked the sermon up till now, so why would I? Why would I try and please you now? You're <laughs> going to be mad no matter what I say. But I was reading the Bible, and uh, I kept seeing this phrase. And I, and I studied this phrase in the Bible. It's used six times, and it's used by God. It's used out of the mouth of God. And uh, it's when the prophet is preaching to the king of Israel, Jehu, and he says, uh, "I'm sorry, Jeroboam the son of Nebat." And he said, thus saith the Lord. He said, I will destroy from Jeroboam him that pisseth against the wall. Have you ever seen that phrase in the Bible? Put up your hand. Him that pisseth against the wall. It is in so there it six Bible. times. Mm-hmm. It's used six times in the Bible. And, it's, you know, six is a significant number in the Bible. It's the number of a man. You know, there are different numbers that represent different things in the Bible. Like seven is the number of completion, you know. Five is the number of death. And you'll see that all throughout the Bible. People being killed under their fifth rib. Genesis 5-5, Acts 5-5, on and on. You'll see uh, different numbers and, and significance <coughs> of numbers. And, and the six times this phrase is used in the Bible, and you say, oh, I can't believe you, you speak that way, It's vile. I'm sorry, but the Bible says that the words of Jesus Christ are wholesome words. And the Bible says every word of God is pure. And so don't accuse me of using bad language. That's what the Bible says. He said, I will destroy him that pisseth against the wall. Now, what Did you ever stop and think, what did God mean by that? Did he mean, well, I don't, what did he mean? Obviously, what is he talking about? All the men, right? He said he said, I'm gonna kill all the men. That come from Jeroboam. Because there's a difference between men and women. Men piss against the law. Women don't. Okay? And so God said he used that language, he used that expression, and by the way, that expression's only in the King James Bible. The New King James eliminates it. This is what the New King James says. Males. Males. And you know, the, the guys who made it, they are males. They're not men. <laughs> and God said a man is somebody who pisses against the wall. Did you know this? When I was in Germany, and you're not even a Why are you it? preaching? Because it's right. Okay. I was in Germany. Oh. <clears throat> and uh, I went to use the restroom in Germany in several different people's houses. I mean, totally different people. And even in public places, they had a sign that prohibited a man from peeing standing up. I'm not kidding. I mean, you can ask, my wife is from Germany, and I was there for three and a half months. They had a sign in people's house. They had a sign in the public restroom that prohibited, and I'm not going to, you know, it was like a circle and a line through it, and it's no pee standing up. And I asked my wife, I said, is that like, I thought it was a joke. I was like, is that a joke? That's kind
3: of a crude joke.
2: She said, it's not a joke. She said, no man in Germany pee standing up. What? That's where we're headed in this country, my friend. That's where we're We got a bunch of pastors who pee sitting down.
4: <laughs> <laughs> of, you say,
2: oh, you know, you're being vile. I'm not, hey, thank God God's the one that wrote the Bible, my friend. We got, no. we got pastors who pee sitting down. We got the president of the United States probably pee sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> we got a bunch of preachers. We got a bunch of leaders who don't stand up and piss against the wall like a man. And I'm going to tell you something, that's what's wrong with America. (laughs) You don't like like an old-fashioned Bible that tells you what being a man's all about? Because it's called the King James Bible. And if you don't like that term, (coughs) piss against the wall, then you know what? Go to the bookstore this afternoon and buy a new King James. It'll take out that word, it'll take out the word damnation, it'll take out the word hell about half the times, it'll take out the word Jehovah, the name of God, it'll take out anything in the Bible that that has any uh, power to it. It'll take out anything that tells you how things are supposed to be. But you know what? 400 years ago, pastors used to stand up and preach that a man needs to be a man! Not a male. (laughs) Not the males. Hmm. It's because the editors of the NIV pee sitting down. It's because of the New King James. They all pee sitting down. I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to pee sitting down. I don't care if it's Germany. I'm going to Germany in about a month. You better know I'm going to stand up
1: everywhere I go. <laughs> Larry, Larry. Oh, man. What do, you, what do you think of that, Larry? You ever seen that? Oh, oh my. <clears throat> Larry's not laughing as that- much as we are. <laughs> but uh, he may, that- I, don't, I don't know if Larry <coughs> laughs out loud, though. Do you laugh out loud? Sometimes.
0: That that phrase is found six times in the King James Bible. Yeah, and it does mean the men. Mm-hmm. Um, but his <laughs> application
1: <laughs> <laughs> is pretty wild. Yeah, that's pretty wild. It is. All right. Well, we're running out of time because you know Larry, he has a prior engagement. We want to honor his time, mm-hmm. so let's jump into. <clears throat> Let's discuss.
0: So, what does the what does the parable of the good Samaritan mean?
1: Um, I mean, it, it simply shows who's a good neighbor. What does it look like to be a, a neighbor? Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's pretty simple, actually. <laughs>
0: and it's shot. It's shocking. It, it was it's shocking, shocking to Jesus's um, original audience because the uh, the priest and the Levite, the holy people, mm-hmm. right? They're they they pass. By this man that's been beaten up. They passed on the other side of the road, and a Samaritan who was considered unclean. Um only half Jewish. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, he's the good guy. He's the hero. Right. Right. So it would have been it would have been pretty scandalous for these per, the priest and the Levite to to pass by somebody that's desperately in need. And here comes a Samaritan and he cares for his his wounds right Um, so for (laughs) for jesus to get this guy to say well who was the who was the neighbor to the man
1: who is it yeah he doesn't even the guy
0: doesn't even say a samaritan Mm -hmm. he just says the man who helped him yeah 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 so that's uh, that's the meaning what's what's it mean to be a who's who is my neighbor
1: it's the people around you yeah right so to do, to do biblical interpretation, we want to know what does the Bible actually mean. So the first thing that you ask is, what does the text mean? Okay? What does the text mean, not what does the text mean to me? Right. And to do that, you make observations. So step one, <coughs> observations. Included in the process of observations, you're going to ask several questions. Uh, who wrote this? Mm-hmm. Who did they write it to? Where are we at in God's framework of the unfolding of his covenants? Mm-hmm. Um, what type of scripture genre is this? Mm-hmm. Is this a narrative? What is this? Is this, <clears throat> are these parables? Is this a proverb? What is this? What kind of text is this? So first you have to ask those questions. You have to ask good questions of the text. Um and let me see the ones I gave the kids, because the parents might be interested to know, like we went through this stuff with all of the younger, well, the high school-aged and junior high-aged kids who wrote it, to whom were they writing, why were they writing, what does this mean? Right now you get into a little into interpretation, but to do that, where is it in the Bible storyline? And then you're going to ask questions, like if you want to get next to interpretation, so observation, interpretation... You have to ask these questions first. <clears throat> what does this say about God? What does this say about mankind? What did this mean when it was written? Right? If you don't ask those questions, you're not going to get at the meaning of the text. There may be some others that you could throw in there. You can you think of? Are there any? Am I, am I any of that big ones that I'm missing?
0: Well, um, I think you hit on the Big ones. The only one I would add is um, all of this. Jesus, Jesus gives us the key mm-hmm. to to interpreting the entire Bible when He says, "All of the law, the prophets, and the writings," right. which is <clears throat> Psalms and Proverbs. And,
1: How does this passage get me to Jesus? They,
0: yeah, they all they all talk they all speak about me, right? And so the the ultimate. Key before we before we ever get to us, we have to say, "What is this te- teaching me about Jesus?" All right, because <clears throat> it only applies to a person in Christ. Mm-hmm. All of the promises of God, Paul says in Second Corinthians, find their yes and amen in Him. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is where this is where um, this I think this is where I think different theological positions can go awry is when they try to apply the promises outside of Christ. Right. I, I think this is where dispensationalism goes awry. Right. They, they want the land promises to be for modern-day Israel outside of Christ. Yeah. Right. And so we have to we have to say, what does this mean?
1: Uh, what's this tell me about Jesus? And then, how does it apply to me? Right. Yeah. So you... <clears throat> You ask those questions, yeah. who wrote this, to whom were you, they writing to, why were they writing this, what does it mean, where is this text in the storyline of the Bible, what does this teach me about God, what does it teach me about mankind, and then how does this point me to Jesus? Mm. And then finally you ask that last question, how does this apply to my life? So the question but, might be like, well, I don't see Jesus explicitly <laughs> here. <clears throat> now you don't have to become allegorical. right? What you right. need to do then, you a, a good way to get to Jesus a lot of times is from the the fallen human, what Chappell calls the fallen human condition. Mm. I believe that's how he phrases it. I might be saying that incorrectly. Yeah. Brian Chappell has a book on interpreting the Bible uh, with, a, with a view, with a lens to get to Christ. Mm. Um, and that's a good way to get there is because on nearly every page of the Bible, you have the fallen human condition, mm. and that, that gives you a, a way and a road to, to, to Christ. Yeah. And I think also
0: remembering the, um, the covenants. Mm-hmm. Um, I always explain the covenants as the backbone to, uh, for, for the entire Bible. And a uh. lot of people don't. They, they're not familiar with the covenants. Yeah. There's six major covenants in the Bible, and those form the backbone that it's, it's kind of the river that is, is sweeping us down the storyline. Mm-hmm. and finding its culmination in Christ.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So if we understand where we are in the in the, the biblical story, that will go a long ways towards helping us point to Christ.
1: Here's a good example. We've got maybe 15 <laughs> minutes left. I think we can wrap this up and demonstrate it by showing a couple of slides. Philippians 4.13 is one of the most abused passages in existence in the yeah. history of American Christianity, for sure. Right. Right. Philippians four thirteen says, "I can do all things through Him who strengthens me." Mm. Right? You see that on coffee mugs. You know it's sold in all your Christian bookstores. <laughs> Stephen Curry, uh, great basketball player, incredible player. Um, he's he's really can't be too hard on him. He really is very much like most Christians in America. Mm. And he claims to be a Christian. He's very much like you know when your kids go off to college, the majority of people they meet will be like Stephen Curry. Mm. And he has on his shoe Philippians four thirteen. It, he, it's like written on it in marker or whatever. And this is what he says: it represents it, it represents a Bible verse I wear on my shoe. Philippians four thirteen. It says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." It's also my mantra: how I get up for games and why I play the way that I do. So, what does Philippians four thirteen mean? though does it mean i can play basketball really good Mm. and become the greatest like three-point shooter of all time right no it doesn't mean that at all um you can see that by the just reading just a little bit broader in the Mm -hmm. book itself yeah that's and
0: that's what we have to do so step one is read the book (laughs) read the book of philippians Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. Uh, when you get to that passage it's what do these words mean Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then, what does it mean in the surrounding context? Yeah, Philippians four thirteen is not standing out by itself. Mm-hmm. Like this is not graffiti that you know Paul wrote just right. on a wall
1: on a on a prison wall. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a context behind right. it, and the context is <clears throat> a prison. <laughs> yeah, that he's in prison mm-hmm. uh, awaiting trial, uh, awaiting a trial. Um, where he will more than likely testify before before Nero. <clears throat> and so he says in Philippians 4, if you just begin in verse 11, not that I speak of being in need, for, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. So he's in jail The Philippian church had sent aid to him, and he's very grateful for it. Now, even if they hadn't, and he was hungry, because you don't eat in a Roman jail unless somebody brings you food. You don't eat, you know, no no food and water. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's learned to suffer. He's learned how to even be content in that situation, in hunger and in need. And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So he knows something of the spirituality that many of us haven't learned yet, because not many of us have suffered in that way. Mm. He's learned to be content in Christ, even in that situation. So there's where he was, actually. That's Paul's Roman prison cell. Do you want to show the picture? Take a little gander of that, my friend. Imagine being there, uh, half naked, with no food and water, and saying, "I can do all things through Him who strengthens me." Looks like my dorm room in college. <laughs> yeah. So maybe there's an allegory there for you. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> so here's a little picture. I snagged this picture. This picture comes out of the <clears throat> book "Grasping God's Word." Now it's. I think. I think this book "Grasping God God's Word" could be read by people who aren't pastors. And they could get a benefit of it. There Who are other. That? There are other. Did you read it? I did not. Duval and Hayes. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other books um, that I wouldn't recommend. Cindy Cardonis has written some good ones. So has Kostenberger, but they're more geared mainly toward preachers or pastors. Mm-hmm. But I think. I think the regular, you know, just your, your layman, you know, who's working a regular job and is like, you know, what I want to learn more about this. That one would be okay. It's a it is a little bigger, so it might challenge you up. But this picture I have I took from this book. You want to show it? This visually illustrates for you what we're doing when we're trying to do, you know, uh, biblical interpretation. You going to try to grab some other book recommends for folks? Yeah. As I explain this, uh-huh. that'd be good. All right. So what are we doing when we try to do exegesis or to get at the <clears> meaning <throat> of the text? Look at the picture. So if you're not Watching and you're just listening. I'll paint the picture. Okay, there's a river in the middle of the screen, and on each side of the river are two cities. The one city on the left side of the river is an ancient city. It kind of looks like a city you might would imagine. You know that that Jesus and the disciples walked in. It's got the palm trees and things like that. Then there's a bridge that crosses the river, and on the other side of the river there's another city. But this city is a modern city. It looks like you know the cities that we live in. And so we go and we follow these, um, we follow kind of like a, a, uh, a process that will help us to interpret the Bible correctly. So number one, we make those observations, and you see the number ones on the Old City. So that falls with, like, who wrote this? Who did they write it to? Why did they write it? What was the situation of the writing? Where was it at in the biblical storyline? And then number two, you see that there's a river, and you acknowledge, all right, there is a big gap between our culture and theirs. There's time, there's a time gap, there's a culture gap, there's a language gap, situation gap. That's the this big river that separates us. Crossing that bridge is something called the principalizing bridge. <clears throat> so that would be the thing that can transcend time and culture, the truth that transcends time and cultures. Or the teaching element of this passage that applies across time. Number four is your culture, right? So, here's what you do: you observe, you make those observations, then you say, "Okay, what's different? Where are we at?" Here's a big, here's one of those big ones that the, on the river. Well, in the old city, many times they're under the law, right, George? They're living under the law. They're in the Old Covenant even. Mm. Uh, But then across the bridge over here in our time, we're not under the law anymore. We're in the New Covenant. So what can cross the bridge, the principalizing bridge, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant? uh, What could that be? Well, that could be as simple as something as um, we don't engage in idolatry, right? (laughs) So... uh, Paul will elaborate on various forms of idolatry in the new covenant. A good one, a good exercise on this is um, the teachings uh, in um, is it in Malachi about the tithe, robbing from God. Mm. So if you study that passage on robbing from God and tithing, I think what what you're going to find is there is something to bring over. We aren't mandated according to the law to tithe. But what is the principle that could be brought over is that you should be giving uh, your money to the Lord's work in, his, in the Lord's ministry. Mm. In the New Testament, in the New Covenant era, that takes on something a different. It's slightly different. It looks different. But you can see that that's something that can <laughs> be brought over, um, even though we're not mandated according to the law that we will tithe. To a place where there are sacrifices going on, the principle applies. Justice, there are calls for justice, all kinds of things like that. Um, number four is our city. So you understand the world in which you live. Okay, so you need to understand yourself and the world in which you live, so that you can then apply that principle. And that's number five: living out that principle in the real world. So that. Image is very helpful in that regard. Hopefully it was. Um, so there you go. There's a little picture that'll help you. So make observations. After you make correct observations, then you come comes the interpretation. And then you're able to then take that interpretation and apply it to your life. And then hopefully you'll move on to one more step, which would be evaluation. How am I doing living according to this uh, timeless uh, principle that that God has in his word for me. Mm. That's it. Very nice. What do you have for us, George?
0: Recommends? Um, well, I'm, it'd be much easier if I was sitting in my office. I could just look and <laughs> I could just look on my shelf. <clears throat> a, a couple of books that I've found helpful. Um, you can look over on my screen. Um, A couple of books. Wait, where p- did you go? What?
1: I lost you. Can you not hear me? Testing. Can you hear me?
0: No. You can't hear me in your, micro- in your headphones? I can hear myself in my headphones. I can hear you. Huh? <laughs> That's weird. I don't know. We'll I can, I can hear myself. Can you hear me? I can Normal? hear you. Oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah, I hear you.
1: Okay, well, let us know.
0: Yeah, Um. I, I hear you. technical difficulties. Yeah, I'll keep going. I don't know. Uh, anyway, a, a couple of books by Edmund Clowney um, I think are, are pretty good. I, I think that um, these books showing how to uh, to see Christ in all the scriptures I think will uh, start with kind of a, a biblical hermeneutic. How do you understand the text? Don't be thrown off by books like preaching and biblical theology um, because these these books on preaching even though they might be directed towards preachers um, specifically they also are beneficial for for other people right so okay. even if you're not a preacher I'm back don't don't be thrown off by that okay right? uh, Graham Graham Goldsworthy I found uh, his books to be really good and one mm, yeah, one of the, yeah, one, yeah. Of the be- one of the best books I would say is Preaching the whole Bible as a Christian Scripture.
1: Yeah, that is a good book.
0: Um, I think that's really good. It's the application mm-hmm. of biblical theology to expository preaching. Right. Again, yeah, don't yeah. be thrown off. Don't be thrown off by the preaching in mm-hmm. the title, um, because what the preacher is doing is proclaiming, but he has to interpret first, and the interpretation is not something that is reserved for super Christians, right? Yeah, um, there was one. There was one last book, but I cannot, for the life of me, remember what it was. I had it, and then it was, then it disappeared.
1: Hmm. Well, maybe you can I bring it know. next time.
0: I don't know what happened.
1: Well, you ready to shut this down? It falls that that responsibility falls to you today. It does. It. Yeah, it does.
0: Hmm. I'm really, really frustrated that I can't remember the the name of that book. I'm going re- to remember it as soon as we get done. I'm going to walk into my office and be like, ah, it's there. That's... <laughs> anyway, if I remember, I'll uh, try to remember to talk about it on Tuesday. I don't know. All right. Well, hopefully this has been helpful for you as we've been talking about biblical interpretation. How do you read and understand and then apply God's Word? And uh, if it has been helpful... Um, please make sure to like, subscribe, share. Um, send us a note. Let us know um, if you have questions. Let us know if there's things that we can address on uh, on a future podcast. Let us know. Um, we want this podcast to be helpful for you, and it's not just for our personal entertainment. Though I was entertained today. Huh. I was entertained.
1: Are you uh, not entertained?
0: Yeah. Well, Are we'll you see.
4: Not entertained. That's right. <laughs> that's
0: right. <laughs> well, we'll see you next time. Have a good weekend.